0: Hey, good morning. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. So today is Palm Sunday. Let's take a quick review of everything that happened during the Holy Week. We'll put it up here on screen. On the Sunday before the crucifixion, we have the triumphal entry. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. Jason did us the favor of of reading that passage. On Monday... Jesus clears the temple. You'll notice in the passage, Jason read. It says that Jesus went into the temple and he looked around. But it was late, so he went home. Well, uh, Monday comes and he goes back to the temple and we see what it was that he had in mind. He clears out the temple, basically saying, you filled it with animals instead of people. I want the people. So clear out the court of the Gentiles and... Bring the Gentiles in to see what's going to be happening this week. Tuesday comes and Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives. We have what's known as the Mount of Olive Discord. It's also called the Little Apocalypse because Jesus talks about the future, about his second coming. Wednesday was a day of rest for Jesus On Thursday, we have the Last Supper. And then on Friday, the crucifixion. You know what? Palm Sunday comes around. We talk every year about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So we're not going to do that this time. We're going to talk about the Last Supper because we never get a chance to do that except for the end when they eat the bread and drink the wine. We're going to take a look at everything that happened in the Last Supper. So here's the Last Supper. You know where this is found? This is actually a mural painted in the dining room of St. Mary of Grace Convent. Now, it took da Vinci four years to do it from 1495 to 1498 beautiful. It's recently been restored. It had been very dark in the restoration. They went back to the original colors, much more vibrant. And this shows us what dinners were like in 15th century Italy, but this doesn't have a thing to do with that first last supper. The Lord's Supper, as is explained to us in the book of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John is completely different. So the first Lord's Supper was actually a Passover meal. The structure of the Passover meal, what they were to do was laid out very carefully in the Mishnah, and it was followed very closely. That would have existed in Jesus' time. So we can rest pretty assured that we know what they did, and the order that they did it in. We're going to walk through it. The Gospels give us insight into what happened. Now, the Passover meal is based, it it centers around Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. They say, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression. I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I'll redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people. I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the oppression in Egypt. So we start the Lord's Supper. The gifts arrive wherever they're going. Jason read the passage that tells us how they found a place. They found it at the last minute. We're going to get into a little bit later how they could have come up with a last-minute place with Jerusalem being as crowded as it was. Sorry about that, allergies. It's probably the palm leaves down there. The guests arrive, and the first thing that would have happened is they would have washed their feet. Now, the washing of the feet was in part to honor the guests who were arriving, but it was also to honor the owner of the house. They would always wash your feet when you arrived. That's because inside the house, you didn't carry the dirt from outside. So the servants would have received Jesus and the disciples, and they would have washed their feet at the very beginning of the evening. And then the guests would take a seat, or more appropriately, they would take a bed. Because scripture says that when they ate the Last Supper, they reclined. So it looks a little bit like this. Not at all like the Da Vinci painting with everybody sitting upright. They weren't sitting upright. They would come together and recline. Now their feet are behind them. Their, their, their uh, faces uh, toward the table. That was, it's, it's easier to eat with your hands in your mouth instead of your feet to your mouth. So uh, they kind of put their heads toward the table. Uh, The host would sit at the head of the table. Now we see two guys dressed in white up here at the end. Now why they're in white, I'm not totally sure, but they would be the host. The guy on the left, the guy most close to us is Jesus. That would be where the host would sit. And the people next to him would be the honored guests. And then moving around the table, the farther away you got, the lower the seat was. Now, in this picture, we only count 12. In this artist's rendering, Judas is already gone. But of the 12 that are left, we get an idea of who's there. Now, the disciple that Jesus loved, just to his right, he's one of the honored guests that evening. The disciple that Jesus loved. So we know where he's sitting. We also kind of know where Peter was sitting. Because John tells us, That at a certain time during the meal, the disciple that Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask. So Simon Peter is not sitting by the disciple that Jesus loved. Simon Peter is sitting far away. He could only make hand gestures to that disciple to ask Jesus a question. Now, this makes perfect sense. Not too long before, a couple of months before, Jesus was teaching. And he said, When you're invited to a meal, don't go and sit at the head of the table where the honored guests would be, because the master, the host, might come and say, No, 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 I've got somebody else sitting up here. I want you to sit on down. Jesus said, No. Go to the lowest seat so that the master comes in and says, come up, friend. You're too low. I want to honor you. I want to exalt you, and I'll move you up. So Peter comes in. He looks around, and he runs to the lowest seat at the table, and Jesus leaves him there. (laughs) Whoa, boy. (laughs) That was not at all what Peter was waking, uh, expecting, waiting for. So we start with the meal. The meal begins with a cup of wine. According to the Mishnah, there were four cups of wine that they would drink during the meal. This was the cup of thanksgiving. And with that cup of wine, they would recite the first part of Exodus 6.6. 6. I will free you from your oppression. And then they would drink the cup of thanksgiving. Now, when Luke tells the story of the Last Supper, Luke chapter 22, verses 17 and 18 say that Jesus took a cup of wine and he gave thanks. This is the cup of thanksgiving. We're following the order in which the Mishnah laid out the celebration of the Passover. Jesus took a cup of wine. He gave thanks to God for it. He said, take this and share it among yourselves. I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Then they would pass the bitter herbs. Now the bitter herbs were a big part of the meal and it sounds kind of nasty, uh, why eat something that's bitter. Actually, it's just that the herbs, the the things that they would share at this point were not particularly tasty. It included celery. It included radishes and other things like that that you eat it. It's not that it's bitter and it sets your teeth on edge, but there's just no taste there no enjoyment in what you're eating. This was to remind them of the misery of slavery. Then we go straight to Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus 12, Moses says, every year that you celebrate the Passover, do it in this way and your children will ask you, why are we doing it this way? they would actually go to Exodus 12 and they would recite it. They would have the question and the answer. The youngest person at the table, in this case, probably John, who was there, was the youngest, and he said to Jesus, why are we eating in this way? And the host, Jesus, would respond because the Lord delivered Israel from Egypt. And he would recite the history of Israel's delivery from Egypt. Then they would sing the first of the Hallel Psalms. The Hallel Psalms are Psalm 113 to 118. And at this point in the meal, they would sing the first two of those Psalms. Now, we're not going to look at all of it, but look at some of what's there. Psalm 114, the first two verses. When the Israelites escaped from Egypt, when the family of Jacob left that foreign land, and Judah became God's sanctuary, and Israel became his kingdom. Those Psalms are talking about the exodus. They're singing about it. They're talking about it. They're remembering it. After they sing those first two Hallel songs, they would have the second cup of wine and they would recite the second phrase of Exodus 6. I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. This is the cup of deliverance. After this, they prepare for the meal. The host would get up and he would take water to each participant and they would wash their hands. But tonight, Jesus does something very different. He gets up. He takes off his outer robe. He wraps a towel around himself and he goes to them and he re-washes their feet. Now, their feet were clean. They had been washed by the servants when they got there. Jesus is obviously doing something different at this point. Now, it kind of makes sense. You know from John 13 that Jesus got to Peter And Peter said, what are you doing? Jesus said, I'm washing your feet. Peter said, no, no. I should be washing your feet, not you washing mine. And then Peter said, uh, Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. So Peter said, well, then don't stop with my feet. Wash my hands too. Wash my face this is the point where they should have been washing his hands. It was very natural for Peter to say this. Then wash my hands as well. Wash my face. And Jesus says, no, your feet is enough. They work it out. Peter wash, uh, Jesus washes Peter's feet. Why Peter? He was probably the first one that Jesus went to. He was at the lowest seat. So Jesus would have worked his way around the table ending with the guests of honor. Now, after the hand-washing, in this case, the foot-washing, the host would take one of the loaves of unleavened bread and he'd break it. The Mishnah says, break the loaf. He would give thanks for it and then they would dip that loaf in the bitter herbs and eat it this is the sign to start the meal now in a normal passover meal they would bring in the passover lamb would have been roasted they would bring in whatever else they had to eat with the passover lamb that was kind of up to the host this evening they would have had no lamb john tells us that the lambs were sacrificed during the time that Jesus hung on the cross. This was on Thursday, not Friday. Friday was the Passover. Their Passover meal was on Thursday night. So they celebrated the Passover meal just like they would have done if they weren't in Jerusalem. Very strange. They were in Jerusalem. They should have waited for Friday. But Jesus knew that on Friday, he would be busy doing other things. So they got together on Thursday night. Now that is why it wasn't hard for them to find a spot to celebrate Passover. On Thursday, the upper room would have been booked for Friday. But on Thursday, it was open. But it's at this point that Jesus takes the bread. He breaks it. He gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Remember me. You see what Jesus is doing? at the place that they should be eating the Passover lamb, Jesus hands out bread, and he says to them, friends, this is it. This is the great Passover lamb. This is the lamb of God that's given for you, that's broken for you. This is my body. You remember during my teaching, I said, I am the bread, and you must eat my body and drink my blood. Jesus says now, This is it. This is what we're doing. This is my body. Take it, eat it. He breaks the bread. He blesses it. Do you remember what Zach told us last week? Scripture is full, especially Jesus' teaching, is full of agricultural images. This is one of them. Jesus called himself the bread of life. This is the bread that he's given us to eat. Now, at the end of the meal, Jesus would offer the third cup of wine. And he would recite Exodus 6, 6. The third cup of wine is the cup of redemption, the cup of salvation. The third part of Exodus 6, 6. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and with great acts of judgment. Then they would sing again. The final four, Hallel, Psalms. They would end with the fourth cup of wine, the cup of freedom. And they would read Exodus 6 7. Exodus 6 7. I claim you as my own. This is Jesus talking to the men who have been with him now for three and a half years. I claim you as my own. You are mine. I'll be your God. And then you'll know that I'm the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression. I think it's at this point that Jesus takes the cup of wine and he says, This is the blood of the new covenant. You have eaten my body. Drink now my blood. I claim you as my own. Eat my body. Drink my blood. Become one with me. Now, that's the Last Supper. Periodically, when we come together, we celebrate the Last Supper. And we are going to do that right now. We, too, have been freed, not from slavery to Egypt. We have been freed from slavery to sin we too come to the Lord's table and we celebrate our deliverance. We celebrate our salvation. We celebrate our freedom. We're going to take that opportunity to do this. Now here in New Hope, we have what we call open communion. You do not have to be a member here to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. The only thing, you have to have heard Jesus' voice saying, I claim you as my own. And at some point, you need to have said to him, good, I want to be yours. If you are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus today, it's not about if you're perfect. None of us could do this if we had to be perfect. It's about, have you said yes? If you've said yes, we would invite you to come. Now, in each little receptacle, there are two cups. The cup underneath has the bread. The cup on top has the wine. Jesus took first the bread. He broke it and he gave thanks. Then he took the wine and he gave thanks. As we give thanks now. What the Lord Jesus did for us was absolutely incredible. It's appropriate that periodically we remember that. But that wasn't the only thing that happened that night. There was something else that happened that was unique to that night. And we do not celebrate the other thing that happened. During the meal, Jesus looks at the 12 and he says, one of you will betray me. I love what happens next. They all begin to look at each other and they, they look at Jesus. They don't say, is it him? They say, is it me? I think they all recognize that the potential for betrayal exists in each one of us. It's Matthew who tells us that Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked rabbi and I the one. And Jesus whispers to Judas, your words, it's your words. You've said it. Now in John, this is the passage where Peter sitting across the table from the disciple that Jesus loved asks, who is it? Who is it? And so that disciple looks to Jesus and said, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, it's the one to whom I give the bread after I dip it in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. You remember the seating arrangement? There are only two people that Jesus could have reached. One was the disciple that he loved who asked the question. The other was Judas Iscariot, guest of honor at the Last Supper. What? Why in the world would Jesus make Judas the guest of honor? He knew what he was going to do. For one very, very simple reason. Jesus would be close enough to Judas to carry a conversation with him. Judas was seated by Jesus because this is love's last chance. This is Jesus talking to Judas. There's nothing in the Old Testament that said that Judas had to betray him. The Old Testament says one of his own Would betray him. It could have been one of the other disciples. It could have been one of the 70. It could have been one of the 500. It just had to be somebody who identified with Jesus that would betray him. It didn't have to be Judas. And Jesus makes one last attempt to reach Judas by making him a guest of honor where he and Judas could carry on a private conversation but Judas was too far gone he'd made up his mind when Jesus realized that he basically said to to, to Judas get about it go ahead get it over Scripture says that Judas got up and left. The other disciples thought that since he held the purse, Jesus had said, Go make a donation to the poor, go and buy some more supplies, go and do whatever. They had no clue that this is what Judas was going to do. But Jesus went out and betrayed Jesus. Now, the betrayal itself was simply passing information the information of where they could arrest Jesus without a crowd, and that took place in Gethsemane. Now, why don't we talk about this? Why do we go through detail to look at Judas as the guest of honor at the Last Supper? You know why? Because each and every one of us have family members, friends, colleagues at work, colleagues at school, That we really want to reach, and we've been talking to them, and they don't want to hear. Just like Judas didn't want to hear. Well, you know what? If you're trying to reach someone who just doesn't want to be reached, don't give up. Jesus Mm -hmm. didn't. Keep going, keep talking. Don't give up. The Lord's Supper is an example of love's last chance. Jesus reaching out to the one who was going to betray him, to the reason why he would be nailed to a cross and suffer just hours later. And still, he reached out. He didn't give up. He tried. I don't know who you're reaching out to. I dare say you're reaching out and you're disappointed because, frankly, they don't want to listen. Don't give up. Keep preaching. That is the lesson of the Last Supper. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast.